everybody to the fourth episode of the Ball Hawks podcast. I am your host, Steve Fisher, and you can find, well, you know where to find me. I'm kind of all over Twitter right now. Um, I am joined, as always, by my assistant to the host. Today, he is going to be my Dory to my Marlin, Christopher J. Phillips. I don't even know if that's your middle name, but how's it going, buddy? Not even close. Uh, actually, I, I, a little close. Uh, yes, I'm, uh, you know, today Today I'm doing well. Just, you know, keep on swimming. Uh, you all know where to find me as well. I'm on Twitter, uh, at phillipschris12. Uh, of course, please be sure to follow the podcast account as well, at ballhawks underscore pod. Yeah, and today, for the first time ever, the inaugural guest of the Ballhawks podcast, we have kind of a big guest both physically in the gym uh his deadlifts are out of this world i've seen videos and i've actually seen it live and he is one third of the boys from the pp1 podcast and he's also done uh appearances on sportsnet 650 we have our good buddy theodore lights at sightsee Wong the third. That's the best. I butcher it every single time. Ted, what's happening? <laughs> Not much. Thanks for thanks for having me on, guys. What an honor. I can't believe I'm the first guest, and you guys are already bagging guests in episode four. Truly, truly honored. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, it kind of moves along quickly there. I'm I'm just butchering all sorts of names. Got Chris's middle name wrong. You nailed you nailed my name, right? It's per it's perfect. Was it actually? Yeah, it could could be part of the all name team. <laughs> Well, yeah, where was if that I, last episode, Chris? If I'm being honest, Ted, I was a little hesitant to bring you on as our first guest. I when when Steve said like, "Hey, we're gonna bring Ted in," I was like, "Yeah, you know, like Ted's our friend and all, and I like Ted, but you know, he's getting all these guest pods all over the place. He's on Sportsnet 650. Like, do we really need to like boost his ego that much, or should we bring him <laughs> back down to earth a little bit and bring on someone else just to like?" remind him hey when you go big time don't forget about uh, about us little guys mm. well yeah I, I appreciate you uh worrying about the size of my head because it's not a huge head but uh i mean yeah guess number one you guys are bringing on a, a hockey podcaster onto a football show so we'll see how that goes <laughs> i immediately regret this decision <laughs> Um, so before we get started, um, I do have to say a very happy birthday to my wife. What an angel letting yeah. me podcast on her birthday. Um, happy birthday, babe. Love you. I'm sure also you guys a babe. want to say ha- happy birthday to my wife as well. Happy birthday to your wife as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't forced. It's okay. She won't listen to this. So she won't see that you guys don't actually care. Happy birthday, Alyssa. We love you. So we were, uh, just before we started recording here, we were talking about probably the most recent biggest news in all of football land. And that's the fact that I have been all up in Tony Khan's grill. Never <laughs> in the history of irrelevant tweets has four words ever destroyed a billionaire's ego like Tony Khan. It was, Oh my goodness. I I know we kind of like went over it, but this guy is something like if I was 
that wealthy and I had that much responsibility being so being the part owner I think we decided on or at least he has some stake in the team it's his dad's team actually I would not be trolling Twitter to like defend my name to a nobody average person when you look at his description on Twitter it reads owner football analytics Jaguars owner director of football GM sporting director is that president it? CEO. Oh, okay. oh no, that's true media sports president CEO. So he's got a couple of slash slash slash. He's, he, he wants he's, everybody he's, to know how important he is. He's Cordell Stewart of, of sons of ownership. Now we were, we were talking about it off air, Steve, but let's maybe quickly uh, run maybe short, short version. Uh, what happened? What, what did you say? Okay. So what happened was, Earlier in the free agency period, this guy uh, at CJ Golson calls the, I think it was the Johnny Smith trade, like 30 minutes before Adam Schefter tweets it out. So everybody's like following this dude. They're blowing it up. They think he's like this verified source. And really, I think he's just like this average dude like me, just a little bored and having fun. And he says that the Ravens and the Jaguars are in talks to make a trade uh, Orlando Brown Jr. for DJ Shark. And Tony Khan gets on there and he's like, this is not true. Just kind of being like whiny and like needing to like explain himself instead of just thinking in his head, oh, who's this CJ guy? He's an idiot. I'm just going to ignore this. So he gets on there and uh, today it resurfaces somehow. I don't even know how I saw it. And he basically says like, I swear on my life, I did not do this. And so in four words, I respond with the chuckling face, this reeks of desperation, because it seems kind of desperate to me that you're like appealing on your life to your fan base that you weren't in trade talks. Like, who really cares? Like, good for you. Just move on. And so I was actually like at my parents' house. We were having dinner and Chris messages me and he's like, wow, you really struck a chord, hey? And I was like, what are you talking about? And so I open my phone up and it's got the 20 plus alerts on it or whatever. And I'm like, ooh, this should be fun. And so he's hammering me back and all of his Duval. I don't even know what that actually means. They're like their war cry or something like that. They're all like backing him up. They're like, yeah, Tony, you got this. Like, ugh. oh, so he he's all like they called in the Twitter posse to, to help back up the yeah, I'm mad at Steve. It was kind of funny, like a hundred of his like jaguar followers are like yo great response tony like you really showed this nobody dude over with like i don't know 100 followers whatever i have i don't even know one of the favorite ones that i saw was uh one guy being like oh steve you got bodied on that response oh i saw that one i was way to go tony and i'm like (laughs) so at this point i'm like how do i make this situation even worse because i don't really care what these people are saying to me they could be calling me names, giving me death threats. I don't really care. Have fun with it. Um, So I respond with, this is as hilarious as Duval cheering for Mitch Trubisky to score on your own team at home. Y'all are 10-ply. Soft! Because, of course, they cheered for their own team to get scored on at home, and that's a loser's mentality. So I had a little fun with the Twitter world and some billionaire owner in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh... (laughs) 
why why the hell is Tony Khan even responding to you? Like what is that what kind of PR move is that? Like uh now I just want the whole world to know that I can let just anybody get into my kitchen. So I hope the rest of the world doesn't see this and start adding me about being desperate. Like holy smack, like what on earth is he thinking here? Like you got to think this guy probably gets quite a few responses on yeah. like being a you know kind of a big public figure i guess like i mean take the phone away take his take phone, phone away. away somebody somebody should be helping him out you said i have an entourage looking after him here because yeah. that's not giving good advice maybe desperate is just like that's that's the trigger word he, he's 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 heard that so many times in his life growing up you know in in dad's shadow yeah and uh and and being told that he's desperate and doing his best to try to be shod con when he's only, he'll never even come close. And, uh, and that was just the the straw that broke the camel's back and, and Steve got to him. But I mean, you should, uh, you should at shod con with desperate something and see what happens. (laughs) I I can't, I just, I don't know why he responded to you. Honestly, that's the stupidest thing ever. And that was literally the one thing that made it so funny for me was that I got into the grill or into the kitchen of somebody that really shouldn't have even been responding to me in any way. He should have been like, why, who is yeah, this? Why are you on his radar? Right. Living rent free, as, as you said. That's right. <laughs> Living rent free that I saw like yesterday for the first time ever, which you guys didn't believe me on. Which you mentioned that before we came on here. And how in the world have you never heard living rent free in someone's mind? Can you know. give your description of rent free? Like, what should we make sure that we're all that we think it means the same thing as what you think it means? Me? <laughs> no, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would assume that you're just in their head. Yeah. Okay. It's, we're in the yeah. we're in the same. Okay. Boat. Yeah. yeah. You're up in his kitchen, and of, yeah, I didn't think it was too much of a yeah. labyrinth there to figure out that. Okay. Okay. Good. I, I was just a little shocked that we, you've never heard it before. Yeah, and I was saying like maybe I'd heard of it before, or, like read it somewhere, and it just never like picked up on it. But what what a, what a time to respond with that! Um, going, going for that uh, big second block on Twitter after getting blocked for the first time <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> just, like, so setting all new P, PBs on Twitter here. Like I got put in Twitter jail last week. I got blocked yesterday <laughs> or the day before. Going for the all elusive double block. So and you like get, you're you're really peaking here because you went from like a nobody blocking you to trying to get a, a guy with a blue check mark who's a billionaire <laughs> owner of multiple enterprises blocking you on Twitter potentially. So you got you got blocked by some zero, and then you you essentially got blocked by Twitter, and then you got then you got blocked by Tony Khan. So you're I might be blocked by all of Jacksonville, Florida. By the you're home runner bust at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I don't I don't actually Nicely know done. any Jaguar fans, and I don't know of any jaguar fans that are listening to the pod but if you are and you're a reasonable person we're cool we're good i don't think tony khan knows any jacksonville jaguar fans either yeah they all boo, <laughs> they all boo his team and cheer for <laughs> mitchell trubisky imagine that even the bears didn't cheer for mitchell trubisky <laughs> the they weren't that did. they weren't that desperate <laughs> um okay so let's start with a little free agency news enough about my win over tony khan um obviously the big one for me and my team was sammy watkins uh coming to baltimore one year five million dollar deal with some incentives to get up to six million and i just thought wow what an absolute win not because i think sammy watkins um coming over from kansas city 
is the move to shore up that wide receiver room, but it's a move. And it's a move that um, gives us that all elusive X slot or, or X slot X receiver that we've been looking for. I've been watching a lot of uh, Sammy clips in terms of his yards after the catch. And the guy is electric. Like there is obviously injury concerns with him. And I know he hasn't played a full season in how many years, uh, but when this guy gets the ball in his hands, he is absolutely electric in uh, he's he's one of those guys that kind of comes over the middle a lot, um, willing to catch in traffic. I just think it's a really low risk, high reward kind of move to kind of go all in for this year. Um, yeah, that's kind of the the update on Baltimore. We'll throw it over to Chris. What uh, we had a couple moves with the Seahawks. Yeah, uh, happy to see the Sammy Watkins World Tour is, uh, has come to an end, and, and he's uh, setting up shop in Baltimore for you there, Steve. That really um, is a great pick. I, I, yeah, I mean, although, I, yeah, I think, I think we should even talk a little bit about how good that pickup is for Baltimore because, like, what a, like, what a stud to just add in free agency for a guy that's, like, been a little bit nicked up throughout his career but can still produce. But can we quickly just talk that – Ravens Twitter calling him. I, I think I've seen rumblings here and there. I, I don't follow nearly nearly as many Ravens uh, Twitter people as you do, Steve. I, I started following a few more because of this podcast. Are people comparing him to Jerry Rice? What Whoa. is going on there? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that was another kind of funny one that like sparked this whole like civil war between Ravens fans. Someone was just like, I guess they'd commented about how you know Ravens fans seeing Sammy Watkins coming over they think he's the next Jerry Rice and every Ravens fan that I follow anyways was like what are you talking about we don't think he's Jerry Rice we just think he's a good pickup like I still want them to draft a receiver in the first three rounds I still want like a big body kind of prototypical go up and get the ball outside receiver but it's a it's a great pickup and it's chump change like is this the cheapest wide receiver signing we've seen all free agency and if it's not the cheapest one it's at least close to it so yeah that's what was going on in the civil war on raven's twitter uh i think i just it, it gives you guys a ton of a ton of flexibility just by bringing him in in the draft right like you can decide to take on a, a project receiver and you know, you can almost use Sammy as like a mentor, right? I mean, he's going to be there and he's going to, he's going to help out Brown and, and Andrews. And I mean, he always just felt like that guy who, if you would have told me he came out of university as a, as a running back, I would have believed it the way that he looks and the way that he is with the ball in his hands after the catch. Right. So that's like a really good pickup and it's annoying being a Browns <laughs> fan, but it's a really good pickup. Oh, we weren't going to tell people that you're a Browns fan quite yet. We want them to listen at least till 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we just hit the 15-minute mark, so... Uh, oh, perfect. Oh, there yeah. you go. Th- thanks, Ted, for ruining it. I didn't really know it was a secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess to, to quickly jump into my Seahawks, uh, I mean, I guess the, the two biggest things that happened uh, with them this week is, of course, they uh, cut Jaron Reed. Uh, opens up about eight and a half uh, to nine million dollars in cap space. I've seen conflicting reports on that. 
uh, five million uh, in dead cap. Uh, it certainly puts the pressure on uh, some younger players like Puna Ford uh, to perform after getting his new contract. Uh, gives more playing time for a guy like Brian Monet who played well in spurts last year. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and then of course, uh, Jaron Reed just went over to the chiefs. Uh, that was just announced right before we came on here. Uh, and then of course, after cutting him, they announced that they re-signed Carlos Dunlap to a two year, uh, $16.6 million contract with eight and a half guaranteed. Uh, Steve, thank you for trying to take the wind <laughs> out of my sails on that one. Um, he, like, like I said to you, uh, in text message, uh, very heatedly, uh, he made the Seahawks pass rush better last year, regardless of him being second last in your fancy stats there. Um, he had 18 pressures in seven games with Seattle. Uh, he was second on the team in sacks last year and only seven games as well. Uh, and he just, again, we are talking about, uh, your, your fancy stats. And I said, I test, he did make the Seahawks pass rush as a whole better, not just himself. So. Yeah, so for anyone wondering what that conversation was like, I basically, I, I tried refinding the link to actually show you, but being too lazy and not actually caring, um, I didn't find it. But it was something like that Dunlap had the second or third lowest win rate out of eligible DNs. Um, so, I mean, Chris, that's what I do on Twitter now. That That's literally my MO is I get in people's kitchen with things I don't actually care about overly. It's like, it's much. like real life, Steve, then <laughs> pretty, pretty much like my real life personality <laughs> is coming out in Twitter. Um, yeah. I, I thought the, the Jaron Reed one, I know we've talked about Reed and obviously being an Alabama guy, I absolutely love his game. So I hate that he's coming over to the chiefs and that D line on the chiefs is going to be absolutely nasty. Like they're going to be, you're not going to be able to run the ball against those guys, and they are going to pressure, pressure, pressure. So, Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, and uh, Chris Jones. Yeah. It's uh, that's yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm not in the AFC. Good luck to you guys. <laughs> um. So yeah, as as Ted uh, let slip out of the bag, he is the one and only Browns fan I know about. And he has been a Browns fan for over 30 years. So he's not one of these like new age Baker Browns fans. He's, I can attest to the entire time I have known this guy, he has stuck through the carousel of hell or whatever they call it down in the dog pound. Do you want to give the listeners just a quick little rundown of how you became a Browns fan? Because prior to the last couple of years, it's very rare to find an actual Browns fan. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> thank you for that. Um, <laughs> uh, that's actually the reason why I came on the show so that I could have somebody validate my, my Brownsness. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll tweet it later. Yeah. So yeah, growing up as a, as a kid, I, I had younger brothers and stuff like that. So we shared bedrooms and, and blah, 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 all that stuff. If you have siblings, you know how sharing bedrooms works. Yeah. So when I was like 10, I got, uh, we got into a house and I got my own bedroom. And then, so when I got my own bedroom, my uncle was like, oh, we have to get you some like posters and stuff to hang on the wall. So he like got me a baseball poster. It was like, it was like the old one with like, like Alomar and Carter, like back to back after they won like the world series. You guys remember that one? And I had like a, I had like a Pavel Bure, like, like rocket, like Russian rocket poster, which was cool. So I had like my baseball poster, my hockey poster. And he's like, oh yeah, we have to get you like a football poster. 
10 and I don't really know anything about anything at this point. And so he gets me a Bernie Kosar poster, which was cool, except for it, I, it was just him in like, you know, like he's getting ready to huck up a pass. And like, if, if you know the Browns, there's no logo, you know, it's just like a brown jersey and there's like white pants and then the dude with an orange helmet. So I literally just thought that this is football guy. Um, and that's what I just thought football looked like. So when it came time, like I got to school and people were like, oh yeah, we, what's, who's your, who's your team? And I'm like, I'm the football guys. Like, what do you mean the football guys? Like, oh, I like the guys with the orange helmets. And then it just kind of, it kind of rolled from there. And I've been sort of, yeah, Browns ever since, right? Because you can't go back after, after being on the football guys bandwagon, right? Wait, is that going to be the uh, Washington uh, football team's new name? The very just, remin- very reminiscent. Yeah, of, yeah. The, the the football guys. You were ahead of your time. Ed. I was. I yeah, and I didn't know. You know, accidents happen, right? <laughs> I think you should trademark that team name, like that one dude was doing with all of the the red, like whatever, like you know when the Redskins were undeeming themselves as redskins and wanting mm-hmm. to be like the red wings or whatever and this guy's just like buying up all of these trademark names go trademark that one and sell to me like you want to say like generic how about like football guys yeah like the dot-com bust right like everybody's gonna oh the internet's next big thing so he like buys up pepsi.com and like coca-cola.com and all that <laughs> stuff right makes his millions Jeez. somebody tried here yeah so good so what's been happening in the browns free agency market this was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I have to give Barry and this, this head office like an A already. Like I've, I've never seen anything like this from a Browns perspective to, to be so targeted and go after guys and then have people sign with this team that like wanted to come play here that they didn't have to overpay for. Because yeah. before it was like, hey, come play for the Factory Sadness. And they were like, uh, no. <laughs> Just flat out no. Pay you more than everybody else. And like, okay, I guess I'd consider it. And so yeah, they they were able to walk away with John Johnson the third, which to me is like just premier, right? I mean, I think the guy is like in the conversation for, you know, among the best safeties in the league. Um, and I think if you're being a fancy stats guy, I think that that shows that too, right? So yeah, that was a big signing and a guy who who reportedly, you know, took less money to come to to Cleveland. There wasn't a bunch of good safeties out there either. Um, so the fact that they were able to walk away with him was phenomenal. And that probably had something to do with them, uh, you know, them getting their hands on Troy Hill too. So, um, uh, they take, <laughs> they take a bunch of the DBs out of, out of the Rams organization. I don't know exactly what they're going to do. So, um, it's possibly, okay. We're, we're not worried about the, what the Rams are going to do. So yeah. possibly <laughs> somebody to play, you know, opposite Denzel Ward. So was really stoked about that. So that sort of gives them more flexibility come draft time. Um, then they had a, a signing that I really liked, Steve, I think you noted on this one last week, the Tack McKinley signing, yeah. uh, you know, DN can play opposite of Garrett. I think we struggled there a little bit last year, having Olivier Vernon there because of Vernon is kind of like, he acts almost more like the number one guy because he's just like, a, such a power move dude. Whereas like McKinley might work better in a really disrupted area, just being a little bit more athletic and might get to, to broken down and scramble plays. So that could be like a really nice project you know, super cheap cap hit, no worries there. I think that's a nice one. If it doesn't work out, doesn't work out. Flexibility again for the draft. And then they brought in Malik Jackson from Philadelphia. So an older guy, but still like a big stout run stopper. I think he's going to be able to do enough. You can probably still push back and get into the, the backfield a little bit and sort of like make things difficult for quarterbacks, but really also stop that run, which is where Cleveland just got eaten up last year, right? So 
Yeah, I know. Um, when, uh, I know when. For, sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, I know no worries. When uh, free agency started, I was like, "What do you? What do you hope the Browns do? Like, what are what are their areas of need?" And you were like, "Oh, this is easy. Just yeah. load me up on D, right? Like, I need some guys in the back end. I need a couple more guys on that front seven. And oh, lo and behold, they actually go and do exactly that with you know some some pretty big names." Yeah, and they, they so they'll they'll you know jettison out Larry Ogunjobi, who I really liked. I liked Ogunjobi, but he was more of a get to the quarterback, you know, smaller D tackle, right? So when you bring in Jackson, he's a little bit more length. Do you know what I mean? He's a little bit more run stuff. We kind of need that. Ogunjobi was getting beat up. I think he was just in the wrong system. I still think he's a really good player. So I'll be excited to see what what he does. But then you're pairing a guy like Jackson with Sheldon Richardson. Um, and I'll, all of a sudden, you know, I think you've just ultimately just secured your run defense. So really happy about that one. Um, uh, you know, Anthony Walker was another guy they brought in linebacker. He instantly comes off the plane in Cleveland and is the best linebacker on this team. Um, you know, we'll pair him with like a Jacob Felix or a Sione Takitaki. So there's some, there's some more reliability there. Right. And the guy who can also get to the quarterback a little bit, he's not going to help you like in pass defense, but, um, you know, he's there. And then the big, the big news for me was uh, the re-signing of Hollywood Higgins. So <laughs> Baker, Baker gets his boy back. It's only on a one year deal. I wish they would have re-upped for a little bit longer, but I mean, at 2.38, it's like, I mean, you can really move him all over the field, right? If you need him to play number one, he can play number one, just like he did when he took over OBJ spot after he went down, he's obviously serviceable as a number three, you know, Jarvis isn't leaving the slot, but um, he's just one of those guys, right? He plays a little bit bigger than he is and he just always seems to get open. So um, having him come back was like, I think Baker's going to be stoked about it. I know a lot of Browns fans are stoked about it. Um, I know that there was a decent amount of interest from him to go to other teams around this, this league too. So um yeah seeing seeing Richard Higgins come back was a big deal for me yeah I know when we were uh chatting wide receivers um I asked you I was like the name Higgins was kind of floating around and I'd obviously seen him play being in the AFC North and I was like you know give me some extra details on him and you were like no I don't want you to and I don't want the Ravens to get him because one Hollywood's enough I don't want you guys to have two Hollywoods (laughs) There's already too many Hollywoods in the AFC North as it is. That's right. And Chris, you, maybe you can give uh, you can give the viewers kind of like a rundown. I know John Johnson isn't really. I mean, it's the most boring name if we're going from all name team to like maybe the, the most third. boring. Yeah, John Johnson the third. So He's a fellow the third. There's two more of those guys uh, with plain names, but um, give the viewers a little like kind of rundown of what the Browns can expect out of a guy like John Johnson. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that I know all the ins and outs of John Johnson. Um, I mean, of course, when the, the the third, I'm sorry, when uh, w- when the Seahawks are, are playing the Rams, uh, of course, I, I'm paying more attention to the Seahawks offense than I am the Rams defense. But he was certainly a name that popped up a lot. Uh, for making plays on defense against the Seahawks. Uh, I'm I'm sure he has at least one interception on Russell Wilson, uh, if not uh, multiple interceptions on, on Russell Wilson, but he's, he's definitely, he's, he's always involved. Like I said, he he was a guy that you're always hearing his name. He's, he's active. He's all over the field. He helps in run situations. He's good on uh, helping out on, on pass situations. So I definitely 
happy to see him out of the NFC West and, and uh, out of Russell Wilson's kitchen. And, and I think the Browns definitely found a good player there in John Johnson, the third. Uh, I, I also just wanted to mention uh, you, you talked about tack McKinley there. And uh, I, I think it was our first free agency episode that we talked about our, our love hate free agency contracts. And I actually put tack as one of my love contracts. I just, like you said there, Ted, it's, it's such a good situation for him uh, pairing him there with miles Garrett. He doesn't have to go in there and be the number one edge rusher. He can, he can kind of come in behind miles Garrett, do his business quietly and just let the spotlight shine uh, on number 95 there. Yeah. I mean, all I've heard about John Johnson is that he's just an absolute general out there too. Right. So um, to have a guy come in and, you know, it's, it's, it's sounding like day one, he's going to walk in and, and, and wear a C and, and call this defense too. So um, there's a very good chance he could walk away as, as the, you know, the second best defender on this team behind a guy like Miles Garrett. Um, and that's including the fact that, that Denzel Ward is there too. So um, I think the biggest thing is because I don't, I don't, they don't know exactly what's going to happen with, with Grant Delpit. Right. So I don't know if you guys remember Delpit last year goes down with an Achilles injury. I've had one of those. They totally suck. <laughs> um, I don't know how you come back, you know, to become an elite level athlete past that point. Guys have obviously done it before, but I think the future is just a little bit murky. So if you can have a guy like that and you still have a guy like Ronnie Harrison jr. On the squad, I think it just adds a little bit of depth to that backfield having like a key key starter like that. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where when you have such a bad injury, you want to have that replacement in behind just in case, right? Like, I know, Chris, we talked about this, uh, I think it was last episode, you know, why isn't Eric Fisher being signed? And maybe it has something to do with, you know, again, another Achilles injury. But the the one thing for me, when when I keep hearing things about John Johnson, it's always the same thing, right? Like, he's probably going to be like a general and like a leader of the defense and he you just always hear his name and I feel like those guys are some of the guys that are the most dangerous on defense because they're just always around the ball right they're always in the action they're popping the ball out they're intercepting it um, they're disrupting guys routes down the field uh, they're coming over to like helping the tackling so there's not extra yards so um, I hate that he came over but um, you want to be the best you got to beat the best so let's uh, let's jump to some news that we had, uh, I want to say, two days ago now. I'm still on spring break, so every day kind of feels like the same day. But uh, it was the trade, or I guess trades would be more accurate. Uh, the first one was between the 49ers and the Dolphins. And so the 49ers traded up from the 12th overall pick to the third overall pick. And they gave the Dolphins a haul. So they gave them, obviously, the number 12 pick. They gave them a 2022 first round pick. They gave them a 2022 third round pick. That was actually one of their comp picks. And they gave them a 2023 first round pick. So they got three firsts and a third to move down nine spots. So that was the first part. And then I, I want to say really shortly after, not too long, like maybe an hour, couple hours, 
uh, the Dolphins then traded in a very, like, this one is kind of strange to me. That's why, you know, I'm going to get your guys' takes on this. They traded up after trading down. So they traded up with the Philadelphia Eagles back to number six. And they also gave up pick number 156, which is a fifth rounder, for the Eagle or to the Eagles. And the Eagles obviously got the number 12 overall pick that was just traded hours ago. They also got a fourth round pick, the number 123 overall, and they got a first next year. So there's there's a lot of moving pieces going on with their I can't remember the last time or ever if I've seen a trade where a team traded back and then, you know, very shortly after, not days or anything like that, but hours later, trading back up. Chris, what do you make of this? Yeah, um, I think if, if memory serves me correctly, that I did see something that the Eagles were actually trying to move up into that number three spot with the Dolphins uh, from what I saw they they were, or maybe they were trying to move up into number two with the Jets, but uh, I, I did see something that they, they, the Eagles were trying to move up into one of those top spots uh, to draft a quarterback to replace Jalen Hurts, apparently. Wild. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely crazy. Um, it's obviously the Niners are going for that quarterback of the future. Uh, Jimmy G is clearly not their guy uh shanahan has has obviously fallen he's he's fallen out of favor with shanahan um shanahan wants to move move on from him whether that be uh this year next year but i mean if if you draft a quarterback third overall you're not starting jimmy garoppolo at at quarterback for the san francisco san francisco 49ers this year did you Um, sorry to interrupt did you see this like this this adam schefter tweet that just came out like a little while ago and apparently like the Niners are saying like, we believe we have a playoff ready team. And uh, we think that Jimmy Garoppolo is our guy. <laughs> like, what does that mean? That basically means like, we haven't got a good enough offer yet. Right. That's what that means. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, 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 ridiculous. I well, I don't know. see the, the Jets Austria. try to play something like that off as well. Like, Oh, Hey, uh, just so you guys know, Sam Darnold is our guy. Um, <laughs> we have full intentions. We fully believe in this young Sam. Like, no, you, you guys, you don't trade up and give up three firsts and a third to draft. Who knows? Like, maybe this is like the shocker coming up. Wouldn't that be something if they were like, you know, we just need Jamar Chase. That's who we need to go get. We're not going to worry about a quarterback. I I think it's like really like smells like probably Trey Lance. I think that that kid would be absolutely dynamite in the Shanahan offense. And maybe that's where some of those remarks are coming from, because from everywhere that I've read it, it seems like Trey Lance is still maybe a year away. He could kind of be mentored and then brought in. But I I kind of agree with you, Chris, like if you're going to trade somebody or you're going to trade up and it's going to be the third overall pick, like you got to think that guy's starting day one or that's like the expectations at least. And that's exactly it is you know you're, you're talking about bringing a guy in like trey lance uh third overall and that he would be playing behind garoppolo for a year and that be mentored into that role fans will lose their ever loving yeah. minds if the niners use the third overall pick on a quarterback and don't play him in his first year 
it's it's so much different when you select a guy like like Lamar or Russell Wilson later you know fans are going to be so much more patient with that kind of approach and ultimately the cream rose of the top in Seattle and and it did the same thing in Baltimore but this isn't that right that's something completely different if you're if you're drafting a guy that high then people are going to want him so when when the Browns took Baker they had a they had a starting you know air quotation starting quarterback there and it only lasted like four games or something like that like it's just at some point that's going to change and the fans will force their way into that happening and and whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance like who knows but even then Ted Baker didn't get in until Tyrod got hurt right that, actually now that I think about it is is actually somewhat humorous because the same thing happened with Justin Herbert this year where he <laughs> didn't get in until Tyrod got hurt as well um and it's I, I've been seeing a, you know you guys are talking about Justin Fields and Trey Lance and sorry to cut you off Ted but no no not at all a lot of people that uh, I'm starting to see more and more people saying, uh, which I, I think Chris Sims was one of the first guys to say this, uh, Mac Miller, uh, or is it Mac Miller or Mac Jones? Mac Jones. Or, Mac Jones. Yeah. The, the quarterback from Mac Miller's, I think the rapper, but I don't know. <laughs> um, to him before you were jumped on here. Clearly listening to him more than I am watching uh, Alabama football, I guess. <laughs> Um, but a lot of people are saying that he's the guy that Shanahan's going to target because he's the one that fits Shanahan's system the best. And the one thing that I saw that uh, kind of pointed to that fact was, you know, uh, Shanahan was so successful with a guy like Kirk Cousins at quarterback. Uh, Shanahan was so su- successful with a guy like Matt Ryan at quarterback and that he's not necessarily looking for that dual threat type of quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be an absolute bombshell dropped on the NFL if Mac Jones, and I, I love Mac, you know, being a Bama fan myself, and, you know, he was in the running for a Heisman Trophy, wins a national championship. Uh, you know, the guy can play. I just think today's NFL, you need a guy with a little bit more mobility, and, like, I, I honestly hope it happens because it will light the world on fire. And, you know, Chris, we were talking about this. I've never, I, I I didn't go back and actually check, but I don't think I've ever heard or seen of a draft where a quarterback goes one, two, three, four, which was kind of like some rumblings going on that it's going to be uh, Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance could go one, two, three, four. But if Mac Jones goes three, we could see one, two, three, four, five quarterbacks go in the first. Like, that would be bananas. <laughs> bananas. I don't I don't think the Falcons go quarterback personally. Um, I, I think they But somebody maybe will trade up at least. There's enough yeah. suitors that are like, you know, yeah, if you don't the, need a quarterback the, in the first five picks, go get your haul. The Falcons have needs as well. Um, the Bengals are drafting at number five. They're gonna, I think they're gonna sit there because they have needs, uh, especially if a guy like Penny Sewell is still sitting there, uh, the the left tackle of the future to p- protect Joe Burrow. Uh, I, I think you could see them doing something like that as well. Or Kyle Pitts at tight end mm-hmm. um, it, for for the Bengals are, is both great options. I, I just I, same with I, I saw one thing um, today or yesterday where uh, had. 
the Falcons projected or mock drafted uh, Kyle Pitts as well. So I've seen that too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the Falcons are going quarterback or not. It would be crazy for sure. If one, two, three, four went quarterback. I still don't even know if, uh, well, I, I, I think one, two, three will be quarterback. I just don't know if the jets are going to be uh, at that number two spot come draft day. I feel like the real winner, the real winner here is Mac Jones. I mean, that guy's PR team is working overtime. Like he is mentioned in so many conversations. He doesn't need to be mentioned in. He's a, he's literally a fit for every team now. I swear, like everything I've heard. So, and I don't remember hearing this much about him like a couple of months back. So yeah, man, Mac Jones is the real winner here for sure. That guy is going to get paid and he's probably going to get selected. You know, like you're an, you're a Bama fan, Steve. He's probably going to get picked a little higher than he probably needs to be. Yeah, um, I think everywhere that kind of has been projected has been in that late first you know maybe a team sort of jumps up into the mid late first and picks him or maybe (laughs) he slides into the early second and you know that might make sense like he's a great decision maker he can make throws he doesn't have this absolute cannon you know Kaepernick rifle of an arm kind of idea but he, he's a good decision maker. I just don't know if that's enough in today's NFL to be jumping up to number three or in that top 10 conversation. But man, would that be just wild? One, two, three, four, five. I hope it does. My team doesn't need a quarterback. Every year that my team doesn't need a quarterback and they go before my team picks in the first, that just means guys are falling to my team. And it, like, it's always music to my ears. Uh, yeah, this if- is a, uh, sorry, go ahead. That I just, I, I want everybody to just go nuts against QBs, right? That's what we want ultimately. And it's weird to not be involved in that conversation. It's the first year in a while where I feel <laughs> like, Hey, we're not going to have, I'm, I can just watch. It's cool. You know what I mean? I don't have to do a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of draft work on, on quarterbacks, but, but that's what we want. Ultimately, it's cool to be on the outside of that for the, for the first time in a while. I Welcome really to the club, hope, guys. Yeah, I really hope Brandon <laughs> Whedon falls to us in the first. Right. We really need Whedon. Oh, Whedon jump the fire. up and get Johnny. Um, yeah, the other man. thing we should probably mention, I saw this uh, on the score, I want to say yesterday, and it was Miami's draft picks for the next three years. This is like... If this team doesn't win a Super Bowl in the next five years, I will be so shocked. They have in 2021 a first round pick a first round pick a second round pick a second round pick a third round pick in 2022 they've got a first second third third 2023 they've got a first first second third like that's just the first three rounds they are this is a team that almost made the playoffs like it came down to the last week and i like lost at least a couple years off of my life uh when they came back against the raiders in the what was it the cover zero call or whatever it was um yeah this team is loaded with some young players and they're loaded with draft picks right now that that's bananas i that's my word of the the pod i guess is bananas but that's a lot of picks in the first three rounds of impact players when you already have a pretty good core that's like playoff contending did you also see, uh, just to add on to all of the Dolphins' uh, future draft capital, the Laramie Tunsil, <laughs> uh, I, I think he posted it on Instagram. It was a 
statue of him outside of the hard rock uh, stadium town in Miami there, because of course, a lot of that draft capital comes from the trade that sent him to, uh, to Houston. Uh, I think it like, it ended up working out to be like, he's turned into four first round draft picks, two second round draft picks and a third round draft pick. Um, I definitely agree with you. It, it, it is bananas and, and all that draft capital. If the dolphins decide after this season that, Tua is not their guy, especially because Tua doesn't have, they don't have the closer in, in Ryan Fitzpatrick to be able to come off the bench and, and <laughs> win games uh, in the manner that he did last year. So if, if they fall out, or if Tua falls out of favor there and the Dolphins realize, hey, like maybe this guy is not our quarterback of the future, especially when they have the the, the pieces there to, to put a, a lot of weapons around him, that they can now either next year or in 2023 look at making moves to get their quarterback of the future um down the road yeah ted weren't weren't you just was it you that i was talking to where you said isn't this wild that tunsil is turning into four (laughs) first round was that you that was telling me about that it was like four first round picks and like literally we were like how many how many years removed from gas mask gate right (laughs) Like, like we, we forget that this guy was supposed to be the first overall pick, the f- clear consensus first overall pick that was going into that draft, and just hours before, you know, the gas mask bong video comes up, and he ends up falling. The f- I remember that a lot because the Ravens needed a tackle and a left tackle especially. And yeah. I was like, yeah, maybe at uh, at six they can go for this Tunsil guy if he falls. And then he's still on the board and the Ravens are picking and they go Ronnie Stanley and the world's like, oh my gosh, and they didn't even pick Tunsil. This is wild. And now, uh, thanks to, oh, bless his heart, Bill O'Brien, he's worth four first overall or first round picks. Yeah, it's definitely Laramie's laughing last, right? I mean, we kind of felt like, I mean, the writing was kind of on the walls with the Dolphin last year, right? Like, I mean, they, they went... They went offensive lineman, offensive lineman, offensive lineman in their first three picks last year, right? So knowing full well that they were going to like, maybe it was going to be like team tank. uh, And it just happened to be a pretty competitive team last year, right? So uh, it gives them like all the opportunity, all the ammunition in the world. The Browns are like living proof that you can screw up having that much capital, right? By by selecting a a Johnny Manziel and a a Gilbert in the first round. Um, But that being said, we don't think that this management is like that and that they're going to go out and make the right picks. And now they already have the linemen in there to help build the system. They can go linemen again uh, through this draft if they want to assist in that to, to help a guy like Cousin Tua out, um, who I hope makes it, obviously, right? But it's, it's a, I mean, to have the ability to move a guy like Tunzel. I mean, how many teams can say that they can walk on a tackle like that, even if it means that you're getting multiple firsts back? My because team. the first don't, yeah the first don't, yeah your team <laughs> the first don't do anything if you can't protect right so um i was like a little bit like i wasn't entirely sure why they traded back down again after trading back so i don't know if i completely understand that method but maybe there's some method to that madness but that's the only thing that kind of got me a little bit I was a little bit thrown off by that they're another team that i'm when i when i look at those top 
10 draft picks or even not even not even top 10 the the top five to i guess six picks is there in that six slot right now is depending how the the top four picks go and depending where the Bengals go i i have the Bengals. i think going either uh sewell from oregon or Pitts, and i, I think the dolphins will go with just whoever the Bengals don't take in that scenario so either they get uh the the penny sewell out of uh oregon or they get kyle pitts at tight end which is a huge weapon for 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 tua uh or i've also seen a lot of things uh that maybe they bring jamar chase and pair tua back up with his uh you know his buddy from alabama yeah I think could you the- imagine that they walk on tunsil and then they pick up penny sewell and and then still have assets <laughs> on top of that like that it would be a like a masterful turnaround for that team. I, yeah, it's a really good question why they traded back so quick and why they traded back to a thing like number six. Maybe that's the only team they were in conversation with and they said, like, we don't want to pick 12. We want one of the pick of maybe it's Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts. Like, we want an offensive weapon for Tua. And we know quarterback, there's going to be at least two quarterbacks and we're okay with taking any of those four, but we really believe that like one of our guys, maybe it's like Pitts and Jamar Chase. One of those two guys is falling into our lap and guess what? We still have assets because of the 49ers um, gave up quite a bit. So obviously we have a Browns expert on here. It would be wasteful if we didn't get your take how about the first, give me what you think, what you hope, really anything. Um, what do you see the Browns doing with their first round pick? I know they're picking 26 because I see them snagging up players that the Ravens always want. So give me someone in the first round and I, maybe like someone you hope might fall to you in the second round. Um. There's like there's so many different scenarios because they've got a bunch of they've got a bunch of needs right there's there's needs at like clear clear needs for them at linebacker, um, just like the rest of the league there's leads for the there's needs for them at edge, um, even though they have options now because of a guy like cap or um, tax sorry, um, there's clear clear needs for them at corner even though they have options now because of you know recent free agency, um, and there's there's still needs for them at wide receiver even though there's a lot in doubt because we don't know what's going to happen with a certain flashy wide receiver that sits on this roster. Right. So for the first time in a long time, I think they're in like a best player available mode, which I don't think I've ever said that about the Browns. Right. I mean, it's last year was like, we need a left tackle. And so they went and got Jedrick Wills. Like they, they had to take a left tackle at that spot and they took a left tackle at spot. So I think it just, I think the whole draft is going to depend on, on what falls. So if there was a fall that happened in the first round, like say a guy like JC Horn fell, like who cares who's available at linebacker for you? Like you got to go JC Horn, right? Um, if everybody goes where they're supposed to go, um, which, which I don't think happens. Yeah. I mean, cause they could go after Caleb Farley. They could go after, you know, Pat Sertain would be a good ad. Like Greg Newsom would be a good ad. All those guys are all good corners and this is a very deep drafting corner and it's a very deep draft and wide receiver. Although I don't, I don't see them going wide receiver in round one. Um, but I do see them addressing that probably sooner than later. I don't think a lot of people think that, but um, uh, an off the board pick. Um, I would really like to see them take, 
um, Jeremiah Owushu Koromora. Super all name team. All name team. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, like, he's he's one of those like new age players, and I'll throw Zay Collins into this mix as well. Where, yeah, they're listed as linebackers, but like not really, right? I mean, it's like Collins is bigger. He's like you know two hundred and sixty pounds, six foot four, six foot five, like rangy, can get all over the field. Um, crazy, crazy coverage skills, um, which people don't really make note of, right? And then a guy like Wushu Koromora, right? Uh, we'll just say JOK. Um, <laughs> he's much smaller. He almost looks like a big safety, but he's more athletic, like like uh, almost like a DB, right? But then he can also use him to blitz. You can also use him in coverage if you want to throw him up to cover a guy like, you know, Pitts if he ends up in 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 Cincinnati or something like that. And you, as long as they open it up and they have like a decent amount of 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 coverage on the front set, you can really leave guys like those available. So I think if I could pick between. Uh, a spot I'd prefer them to go linebacker and I'd really like them to take Coromora or, or Collins if it's linebacker that goes. However, obviously if there's a good corner that's sitting there too, I, ha- I think you have to, you have to go after the corner. That, that fits in so well to what we were talking about last week on the pod, which you've obviously listened to Ted. <clears throat> um, <laughs> we were, we- it just reminded me of the whole uh, Jamal Adams thing where Chris was talking about, he's kind of labeling himself not as a safety, but I'm just a defensive weapon. And like we used, we used to call those in the last like five to eight years, we'd call them tweeners. A lot, yeah. a lot of tweeners between like DNs and linebackers. Like where do you fit? Are you a linebacker? Are you a safety? And I, I love that conversation. Like imagine we could turn to a football field where it's like, let's just put 11 guys out there who are the best player. They're just weapons. And obviously we're the best athletes. Yeah. You can't just throw all, you know, 175 pound, you know, fast, speedy athletes out there, but that'd be kind of a cool thing to, you know, have all these defensive weapons. And then like, what happens to this silly franchise tag Chris mentioned last week? Yeah. What do you pay the guys? If that situation comes up, Terrell Suggs struggled that with that forever. Like, what is he listed as? Is he listed as a linebacker? Is he listed as a DN? I remember you and I had like plenty of talks about that, but I think what a lot of teams are doing, and this is like this new age thing, right? We just want to get the fastest guys on the field who have an understanding of how they can be used. And Cleveland had a guy like that for a very short period of time, Jabril Peppers, and they used him all over the field, but he wasn't the same kind of athlete. Right. And he was, he was listed as a safety. So he had responsibilities um you know if you go back a little further if you guys remember a guy like darnell bing right bing was like this big safety that could move but wasn't as big as the linebacker so like we couldn't let him play linebacker and he wasn't as fast as a pure safety so we couldn't let him play pure safety so all we did was let him play you know he played a lot of special teams and never really made it but like what a disservice to a guy that had those kind of athletic abilities like taylor mays is another guy like imagine if taylor mays was available in today's draft now for a guy that runs a three, four, three, whatever, literally you just use them all over the field. Right. I mean, what a weapon a guy like that would be playing in Seattle or playing in Baltimore. I mean, just salivate over those raw athletic skills. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, give us uh, just really briefly here, give us somebody that you could see falling into the second round. I know this, as we get further in the rounds, it's a little harder to project. Um, what position are you hoping and give me a name? Uh, again, I'll go back to corner if they decide to go, you know, if they go decide to go DN or something like that in the first or if they decide to go, um, 
if they decide to go linebacker in the first, I could see, <laughs> I could even see a guy like, like Jeremiah Ushukormora falling to the second round. It's like, isn't that crazy to see that I would take this guy in the first, but maybe he'll also be available in the second. Um, some of those corners that I listed, like Sertain or Newsom, could fall to the second, but they could also go in the first half of the first. Like who, this is a weird draft. I don't know you guys are feeling this too, but it's hard to project any of this stuff. But I think like, other decent guys that might be there are, if I go back to corner, um, Ifantu Milifanu, I think could be around, um, like a really rangy, athletic, tall corner who has like a first round grade, but because of this, the depth that's available in corner, he could be available. Um, uh, Aline McNeil at, at D tackle might be a good one who can like really push the pocket and help collapse things. Um, and if you imagine using him in rotation with three veteran or two veterans that already exist at the D tackle spot um, would be like a ton of fun. And even though he just had a boom, like a huge pro day, I could see them going on a guy like Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who knows at five, seven, maybe he doesn't go in the first round. I've seen him go in mocks where he ends up in the first. I've seen him where he's like mid to late in the second, um, who like kind of reminds me of a guy like Steve Smith, um, just because he's so physical. Um, that's a guy that I saw both AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Now, of course, Elijah Moore went to their alma mater. He's, he, yeah. he went to Ole Miss, but both AJ Brown and DK Metcalf uh, tweeted at their their respective teams' uh, social media account, saying, "You know, AJ Brown saying, hey, Titans, don't mess this up.'" And and <laughs> right, D- DK Metcalf said something fairly similar, where you know, Seahawks go get this guy. Yeah, I mean, these are just just these guys are even though they're five foot seven, they're physical specimens for what they can do, right? And these guys he's a bit of a nasty player, even though he's so tiny. Right. So uh, yeah, I would, I would like to see something like that happen. All the talk that's going on lately though, I, I doubt to see him fall, but yeah, that would be a guy um, that I would be stoked to go off. There's a ton of guys in here, obviously. Right. Yeah, It definitely um, has that like weird draft vibe where it's like, you know, even in the second round, you're like, man, I, I could really see us getting this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And they're, they're not just, I mean, you listed off quite a few corners, so I feel like you're kind of leaning towards corners, but I know from just talking with you that there's a lot of guys from all different positions that you're like, man, we yeah. could go de-tackle there. We could pick up, like, we could go get fullback. Oh, there's a punter available in the second round. It's a punter year this year, boys. Yeah, I would prefer them to not go de-tackle. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, punter. <laughs> I, I prefer it's it's a it's a punter year um I, I would i would like them to go i would like them to go corner because i believe there's so many corner good corners in this draft i'd like them to go corner linebacker is a second priority but however you want to play it i mean the, the browns have nine picks this year so they have a little bit of capital too and if i'm being completely honest i think it's very possible that they trade down from from 26 yeah i think a lot of i think a lot of teams in those like high 20s are going to be kind of fishing around for those teams in the early second to trade down maybe you pick yourself up an extra second next year or maybe it's a third this year and you know it's another reason why I love cheering for the Ravens is because their philosophy is like you know we we have traded up but it's a lot of trading down because guess what all of these draft picks are lotto tickets I want Mm -hmm. as many lotto tickets to try and win the lottery like I don't want just one I, I need lottery tickets and I need them all over the draft and the Ravens are just, I mean, they're masters at, at, at loading up on compensatory picks and 
just stashing away additional moving down two spots, picking up an extra for the next year. Like you do that two, three times in a draft and all of a sudden you feel good about it. Right. Like it, you know, I'll use the, the JOK thing again, right? Like we just talked about the fact that picking him in the first round, but he might be available like mid or late way through the second. So if you, if he's there at 26 and you got an offer, why not regardless of what team you are and you want to get your guy later, get him later and pick up the draft capital. Definitely. Um, we are nearing the end, uh, but we want to give our listeners the second installment of the third down and uh chris is going to help explain what that is and what you're in store for here ted uh yeah of, of course uh last week we introduced the uh the, the brand new segment the the third down uh we got a lot of positive feedback on it and of course we want to bring it back this week for our friend ted uh, quick recap here for you quick. Uh, I'm going to give you some head-to-head matchups. You pick your favorite. Pretty simple. Okay. Okay. Uh, for this week, uh, I decided to keep it football-related. Of course, last week I said it could be football. It could be something totally random. You, you, you never really know. Uh, you know, like pick your favorite Power Ranger or something like that. But uh, this week, uh, the matchups will be uh, based off of football show characters. Um, I want to keep it to the fictional players, uh, so you're not going to see, you know, Michael Orr in the blind blind side or Ernie Davis in the express. Um, some of these players you will see, they are based on true stories. Um, but I also eliminated, had to eliminate some famous coaches. So, you know, not going to see Denzel, uh, pop up for his remember the Titans or De Niro or, you know, uh, sorry, Ted, you're not going to see Kevin Costner's run as the Browns GM here. <laughs> <laughs> He's just really taking uh, shots at us here. Like no Michael Orr, no Kevin Costner. This. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Or, or went to the Ravens too. That was totally unintentional. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> you, you, you guys ready? Third down. I'm very yeah, ready. I think so. Okay. So for the first matchup, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a little breakdown as, as to for each guy as well. So first matchup, I've got Lance Harbor quarterback varsity blues going up against his teammate, Jonathan Moxon quarterback varsity blues um of course harbor was the starter until he wrecked his knee which you know probably ended his career open the door up jonathan moxon who uh didn't really want to be there he's going on to ivy league schools so let's line up those beer cans on our heads and uh give me your favorite guy I'm going to defer Ted, to, start with, yeah, Ted's our guest. We better defer for, to him. Start man, with Ted, I, yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how you can pass up on Jonathan Moxon. I don't know how you can pass up on, on those crazy Dawson's river kids. Um, yeah. Dawson's Creek, Jonathan Moxon. I don't know how you can do that. Like, so it's gotta be Moxon saw the whipped cream bikini, you know, overcame adversity, gave the ball to the running back to punch it in hits up tweeter for the new tweeter end zone dance. The guy was the leader among men. It's got to be Jonathan Moxon. No contest. So I'm, I was actually just uh, sending Chris a message. He, and I fully admitted that I am probably one of the worst sports fans for watching sports movies. I have seen less than 60 minutes of Varsity Blues. So <laughs> I actually don't even have an opinion on this at all <laughs> in the slightest so I guess well, round, round one's going to Ted on this one. All um, right. So what's his face uh, was played by the late uh, 
Okay. Le- yeah, Lance Harbour was Paul Walker. Paul Jonathan Walker, yeah. Jonathan Moxon was James Vanderbeek. I don't know if that. Uh, just just pick a guy, Steve. I'll give one to Paul Walker. All right, there you go. All right, Pete. Now, of course, Ted brought up the the famous whipped cream bikini, which <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know, that was actually shaving cream. Ali Larder. Wasn't she also the Doritos girl? I'm not sure. Way back in. I don't know if I want to Google Doritos when I have the whipped cream bikini stuck in my head. So maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got matchup two here. Uh, so we've got Julius Campbell, uh, Edge Rusher. Remember the Titans? Going up against also his teammate, Gary Bertier uh, from Remember the Titans. Uh, two standout defenders, uh, you know, for the newly formed Titans, of course. Uh, Campbell was a terror coming off the edge there. Bertier was great at shutting down the run. Uh, let's hear it, boys. Uh, who is your pick, left side or strong side? Um, it's it's, it's got to be Campbell for me. Um, yeah, absolute monster. Put up with the bull. Sorry, put up with the bull crap. <laughs> um, overcame uh, racism during that movie. Tons of things going on. So out of the two, I'm actually just sort of disappointed that you never made Sunshine available. Sunshine, sunshine. All right, so you guys will clearly understand that I have no prior knowledge of the third down segment because I too have never seen Remember the Titans. Yeah, that is blasphemous. <laughs> that is one of my top all time, not just sports movies, top all time movies. Probably one of the movies that I've seen the most in my lifetime. I'm shocked. Remember the Titans. So I have, need... like, I have like a handful of sports movies that I actually have watched and I'll watch them over. Like Coach Carter was Coach one Carter. of my favorite movies of all time. But the rest of them I find really suck. Or I just like, I almost can't get into them because people talk them up so much. It was like um, the first time, uh, what show was it? Uh, oh, it was Star Wars. I was chatting with my wife, and she was like, I've never seen Star Wars. And I was like, no. What's that movie again with like all the people? No, I was trying to remember. Like, it was either Star Wars or Back to the Future. that are lights. And... <laughs> yeah, she'd never seen Star Wars. And I was like, oh, my gosh, babe. Like, you got to see this. We're going we're gonna to sit down, and we're going to watch all of them. And I'm obviously, like, talking it up because it's amazing. And she gets through, like, 30 minutes, falls asleep. And she was like, yeah, I just didn't really like it. It was kind of weird and I was like oh my god yeah so I'll, Full disclosure. I'll, I'll, defer, I, I'll defer on question two <laughs> uh we'll, we'll give you uh we'll give you Bert here I guess but okay. also you have you have Disney plus so get on there and watch remember the Titans okay I won't do it, immediately but okay. uh, do it I'm gonna harass you every day until you do yeah because isn't uh like tre- the Trevor Lawrence's nickname is sunshine yeah, and Sunshine, it comes from the Remember the Titans thing. So you're going to have to check it out. Yeah, Sunshine, Ronnie Bass. He, he he can't run the veer, but he can throw the ball a mile. <laughs> yeah, so can Uncle Rico. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, matchup number three here. I, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous here at this point, Steve, but we've got night. If I at least hit one of these out of here, we'll just pretend this is a baseball podcast and maybe I'm hitting like 333 and it's – somewhat yeah. respectable all, all of a sudden ted's the new host and steve's our guest tonight yeah. so <laughs> my lack of football movie watching uh so matchup three we've got nigel the leg gruff from the replacements going up against becky icebox o'shea from little giants 
So uh, the the leg is, of course, the original leg before there was Greg. Yeah. Uh, he can kick a 50-yard field goal while smoking a cigarette versus uh, the Little Giants' very own Lawrence Taylor. So, uh, again, Ted, we go to you first. I mean, I love Little Giants. I, I love, you know, I love throwing – throwing toilet paper rolls to your receivers to get them worrying about soft hands. Um, great movie, Rick Moranis back in the day, not my jam though. I got to go with Greg, the leg simply because he's wiry. <laughs> <laughs> nice touch. Well, I've been harping on how it's like always a punter year or a kicker year. And how can you not like a guy that rolls out to the 50 yard line with a dart in his mouth? Just <laughs> like, <laughs> It just speaks athlete. I mean, John Daly yeah. did it for how many years? Um, why can't they do it on movies? I'll double down on that one. And it's a movie gonna... I've actually seen twice, I think. <laughs> I'm going to call that uh, the, the first upset of the night here. I, I thought for sure Icebox would have taken that one. She wins the nickname, but big time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, matchup four here. We've got uh, Forrest Gump from, <laughs> of course, Forrest Gump. Uh, From going Lord up. of the Rings. No. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> what was that show called again? Uh, going up against, uh, now this is our first TV show appearance, Al Bundy from Married with Children. Oh. <laughs> All right, so, we got uh, our first heavyweight I, tilt here. Now, I, I know I know Steve's going to lean one side this on this one because uh, Forrest was, of course, the All-American kick returner for Alabama. But, I mean, Al Bundy... Polk High legend with the four touchdowns in the 1966 city championship game. I mean, at least that's what he says. So uh, again, Ted, who is, uh, who's your pick here? I, I just, you, it's gotta go to, it's gotta go to Al. I mean, how can you not give it to Bundy? I mean, I can, you can't see me, but I'm doing the, I'm doing the touchdown pose as we speak. Um, you know that he doesn't care if his armpits stink. You know that it's not going to affect his day-to-day. He's going to be in that, that shoe store. He's going to be selling shoes. And he's going to be berating women with the comedy that we can't show anymore. It's so bad and awful. But this was Al Bundy. And all he did in, in his life was pull himself out of that wretched, terrible job and that awful marriage with Peggy. And, and he, he ended up on Modern Family. I mean, ultimately, the guy won the day. So it's got go, it's, it's to go to Al Bundy. And I say this with one hand down my pants so resting up <laughs> i mean ted's a salesman so he, he's gonna win on the sales pitch but if you don't pick forrest gump something is literally like he the guy did everything he was in a war like it he ran so fast that his knee braces blew off and you and i both know how hard that is like you've got both of the knee braces you literally look like forrest gump when we've been playing dodgeball and a little fun fact about all of us here. Uh, we did run a, a dodgeball team together and it was so great. And Ted literally looks like Forrest Gump. He's got his knee braces. He's jumping around. They're clacking together and he's, yeah, jumping 10 feet higher than he probably should have because there's weird springs in there. Um, but he never broke not- out of a knee brace, which Forrest Gump did to two of them. So Forrest Gump for the win. You and I have the same knee brace, don't we? Yeah, but you've got two of them. <laughs> I'm only halfway there. I'll be the feed the Fijian for for uh, us. Uh, I'm knocking on wood right now. There we go. 
can't have it. My wife may actually divorce me if I have to go through another knee surgery. <laughs> is that why I can't jump so high, guys? Is because I don't have any knee braces? Yeah, that's the secret behind it. That's it. Just blow right. your knees out, and then you'll be fine. Yeah. All right. It's easy. Someone just come, come, blindside me, side of the knee, take it out. Let's 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 do this thing. I need to get those hops up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, matchup five. We've got uh, Steeman Willie Beeman from, of course, any given Sunday. These picks are fire, Chris. You're just on fire right now. And we've got him going up against. Uh, <laughs> I, should I say elite? Sugar Shane Falco <laughs> from the replacements. <laughs> um, of course, another uh, quarterback showdown here. We've got uh, the, the loudmouth, the showboat, Willie Beeman versus the the scab, the, the leader, Shane Falco. Ted, let's go to you, bud. Oh man, this is a this is a legit hard one. I think this is this is where I'm struggling the most with these picks right now. And Shane Falco, like wh- He's the only quarterback that's thrown a touchdown pass underwater. Um, <laughs> but as far as the fake team quarterbacks, it's got to be Steeman, Willie Beeman. I, I mean, literally took the franchise uh, from the dumps after Cap went down, brought them all the way to the championship. Those sick black jerseys of the Sharks. Al Pacino was there helping him along his way. And then when the, when the crap hits the proverbial fan, uh, Al Pacino and Willie Beeman leave to the next franchise to bring the next championship in. And the guy was like, I mean, the stud among studs. So I just don't, I, I, I have to go with, with Willie Beeman. Guy had his own music, music song and music video. So, I mean, it's gotta be Willie Beeman on this one for me. You know, what makes choosing these very easy when you've only seen one of the two movies. And <laughs> once again, I'll oust myself in front of the entire world. <laughs> it, I mean, it's really not that hard. I have no idea what he's talking about there. I know it's another one of those shows where it's like, you haven't seen any given Sunday. No, I haven't seen it. But guess what? There's shows I haven't seen or that you haven't seen that I've seen. Um, also, it's Falco. It is it is Falco. Falco, Flacco. Chris can't figure out the difference between the two. Um, same person. He, he's a limp by, uh, by connotation. So Shane Falco. Or should we say Shane Flacco? Just to confuse Chris. <laughs> Just, just keeping him in the elite conversation, I guess. You know, Steve, I really thought I was going to reveal myself for having not seen a lot of these football shows and different football movies. Um, so thank you for saving me the embarrassment of being able to say I haven't seen a lot of them myself because you haven't seen pretty much ones, pretty much any of them. So and, thank you. And you I, took away one of the ones that I actually did see. So appreciate yeah. so, you on that that thank you for uh that's why you're the host of this show is so that you can save me from the embarrassment hey look as as tony khan would know um i don't really take myself overly serious so no skin off my back come at me tony sounds pretty Uh, desperate to me (laughs) (laughs) uh matchup six we've got uh booby miles from uh the friday night lights movie uh, versus Earl Meggett from The Longest Yard, uh, the a- Adam Sandler version. Uh, so, of course, we've got the star high school running back in Booby Miles, who was, uh, you know, looks like he was on his way to whatever Div 1 school he wanted till he blew up his knee, uh, going up against the Prison League's version of Alvin Kamara. So, uh, Ted, what? Uh, w- where are you going on this one? 
Yeah, this is this is Nelly, right? Alvin Kamara. This is Nelly's character, right? Maggot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, did he have the bandaid under his eye during the movie? I can't remember. It's been so long. Only one. Uh, only one. Yeah, only only one bandaid. Yeah, like uh, Booby didn't even get going. Like Booby crashed before the whole thing started, right? I mean, I think he ended up as a good player, but Booby, aside from having the great nickname and the awesome four three, didn't do a whole much in Texas football. So it's got to be it's got to be maggot i mean come on like it's getting hot in here and there's only one guy for me to pick so it's got to be nelly in the longest yard yeah what he said uh, again <laughs> an- another one of those shows that oh you haven't seen friday night lights no i haven't seen friday night lights but i did see nelly with uh his famous band-aid under his eye and he was all sorts of awesome and yeah, I mean, by process of elimination, I guess I have to pick. <laughs> Longest what happened there? <laughs> go go like with a, the one you saw. Yeah. I think he had like a, a pimple under his eye or something like that, like a big zoner. And they were like, fool, Nelly, we're shooting today. And he's like, well, I got this thing. They're like, well, you're Nelly. Why don't you just put like something on your eye and we'll just call it a fad. Is that what happened? Like I might, I don't know. And then it blew up. The Band-Aid thing was a thing for a while. Both the pimple and the Band-Aid thing both blew up. <laughs> <laughs> These are great picks, Chris. You did a good job on this. I like this. <laughs> uh, matchup seven here, guys. We've got uh, P.D. Jones from Remember the Titans. Which I don't... Steve, I'm sorry again. Explain P.D. Jones again. I, oh, I will. He's going up against Rod Tidwell from Jerry Maguire, which, Steve, you have, <laughs> have to have seen that one. Um, so of course, Petey Jones, he was the running back for the Titans, but he couldn't hold on to the daggone ball. So he got benched and the defensive coach turned him into a defensive back where he went out on the field and he shined and he made up for, uh, Ryan Gosling, who was an absolute liability. And I don't feel like people talk about that enough about how bad Ryan Gosling is at, at, <laughs> at football. Uh, and then of course we've got Rod Tidwell wide receiver. He was in his contract year. He went out, uh, for, uh, 110 catches for 1500 yards. And, uh, uh, again, we go to our, our guest first here. So Ted, where are you going on this one? I already know where he's going with this one. <laughs> gotta be rod tidwell come on jeez human head weighs nine pounds but dogs are dogs and bees smell dogs and bees smell fear it's got to be rod tidwell show me the money oh yeah 100 percent. i don't even know if it mattered who you put him up against show me the money also a little fun fact about our guest here he dressed up as jerry Maguire for uh halloween one year so i immediately knew where he was going with that pick Great pick. Cuba Who Gooding Jr., very underrated. Didn't did you, you, did you ju- No, I don't think so. I thought you did. Or is it... Maybe, maybe it was maybe it was. I don't know. Hmm. What, does, what does one dress like to dress as Jerry Maguire? You, must, you're, you wear a suit, maybe. Ted just hmm. got dressed for work one day, and Steve <laughs> thought he was Jerry Maguire. It could have been me. I, <laughs> I mean, you don't wear a suit to work, so... That's true, yeah. Would be kind of fitting. Uh, matchup eight here. We've got a, a, a few more here to go. Uh, we've got Spike, also from the Little Giants, going up against Bobby Boucher from the Waterboy. Uh, now, of course, Spike, for those of you that don't remember, he was the prototype football player. Uh, he was playing against the opposing team for the, the Little Cowboys, probably the most jacked 12 year old you've ever seen. I feel like it's weird. 
going up against uh well i mean the the goofy water boy who's been picked on by guys like spike for years and years and finally harness that anger onto the football field so uh again ted uh now steve have you we already know you haven't seen little giants have you seen at least the water boy oh i've seen water boy all right all right ted who's uh who's taking this showdown this one's an easy one water boy because i mean Alligators are angry on account of the medulla oblongata. It's got to be the water boy. Like, I, I mean, Spike was Spike was Spike, and he was intimidating when I was like twelve. But I mean, it's the water boy. It, it still holds up as one of the funnest Adam Sandler movies to watch. Mega underrated. Um, yeah, it's 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 got to be Bobby Boucher. Oh yeah, the mud dog. Bobby Boucher. What did your mama tell you about? What was it? What did your mama tell you about girls or something like that? <laughs> I just yeah. I love the mom in that video. It was yeah. so awesome. I love Can't you play no foosball? <laughs> my, 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 my mama my mama says that that was a good pick. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good one. Uh number nine, we've got uh, you know, good loving Billy Bob from Varsity Blues. Uh, going up against Big Louie Lastic from Remember the Titans. So again, sorry, Steve. You just got to pick whichever one you like best here. A uh, couple huge offensive linemen, fun-loving guys. Get They get along with everyone. Um, Steve, if I can sway your vote in any way, I will just mention Billy Bob did wear number 69, if that helps. Uh, but same, uh, same as our uh, estimated audience on the podcast as of right now. Exactly. <laughs> Ted, who do you, who do you have in this one? Uh, I don't, I don't remember if I, I Louis Elastic. That was the 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 dude from like Butterfly Effect or something like the big huge guy. Ethan Sopley, yeah, that was the big huge guy. Right. He's actually, like he's not a huge guy anymore. He's like no, a he's jacked guy now. Super jacked now, yeah, yeah. But this 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 vote isn't about now. It's about then, and it's Billy Bob all the way. Um, just like I told you on the first episode of third down, uh, these are my answers. Take them or leave them. I pick Michael Orr from the blind side. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right in vote for Steve and just say like, all right, thanks. Running Steve. as an independent. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll just leave that as your, as your right in vote, Michael Orr, which I already eliminated from hit this competition. So thank you, Steve. Hey, look, I'm a wild card. I do what I want. <laughs> Uh, final matchup, we've got uh, Vontae Mack from Draft Day. And he's going up against Daniel Rudy Rudiger from, of course, Rudy. So we've got the, the small, plucky, undersized Rudy, who barely qualified to get onto the Notre Dame's Fighting Irish, uh, going up against the future number one overall pick from the Ohio State. Uh, Ted, I feel like I could probably already mark your pick down here, but, uh, where are you going on this one? So normally I would go the other direction. Cause I feel like you can't pass on Rudy. I mean, it's Rudy. Uh, but I mean, this is, this is the Browns. This is Vontae Mack. It's also Chadwick Bozeman. So, I mean, I have to, I have to say that it goes to Vontae Mack on this one. Yeah. I, I can easily pass on Rudy. Cause again, I've never seen it, but Chadwick Bozeman, obviously we just, ended up watching uh black panther last night he's just such a great actor in any mm -hmm. role that he plays so easy one and i didn't I, even have to watch the other movie to make that pick i actually included uh rudy without having seen rudy myself so is, I, that, I, is that suspect that you've seen 
draft day about the Browns, but not Rudy. Well, I mean, the the Seahawks are the antagonist in that movie. So I've seen, of course, I've seen draft day. Less you, I mean, more Steve. Have you seen draft day, Steve? Yeah. I I watched it once. I don't remember everything that happens in it, but. Ravens fan in Ravens, Browns fan in Ravens clothing. Big AFC North guy. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, 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 that that kind of intertwines us all that movie i guess hey eh? <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding <laughs> ted do you remember the time that you uh i needed orange shorts for a dress-up day at work and my wife blasphemously i don't even know if that's an actual word um asked you for some shorts because she knew you would have orange <laughs> shorts and the second she brought them in the house i said who did you get those from because i already knew the answer and she's like well ted gave them to me and i was like flip them inside out because <laughs> she she had flipped them inside out because she knew I wouldn't wear them if they had Browns logos on them, and she was like, "Why? They're just orange shorts that I got." Like, no, f- flip them the proper way, and sure enough, they're the brown shorts. And I'm like, "I'm not wearing those. I'm just not dressing up for work." <laughs> now, really quick here, guys, before we, we uh, move on from the the third down segment here, I just want to give a quick rundown of your guys' team. I want to ask you who your MVP is going to be. So, uh, Steve, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, on, on this one, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the, the final MVP honors to Ted there. So, Steve, for your team, I've got Lance Harbour. We've got Gary Bertier. We've got Nigel the Leg Gruff. We've got Forrest Gump. We've got Sugar Shane Falco, Earl Maggot, Rod Tidwell, Bobby Boucher, uh, Michael Orr, which he's, he's, he's uh, disqualified from the MVP discussion here. And uh, Vontae Mack. So who's your MVP? I mean, part of me wants to spite you because I can see the anger in your eyes <laughs> and in kind of the disdain in your voice. But um, it's allergies. Yeah, it's allergy season, right? <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I'm not crying you're crying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Forrest Gump was one of my, f- it still holds up as a top 10 movie for me all time. I love that show. Um a tough one to not pick Falco, but it's got to be Forrest Gump for me. All right. You, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Sugar Shane is no longer elite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ted, run down your team really quick here. You're, you're going to have a tough choice for MVP here. You've got Jonathan Moxon. You've got Julius Campbell. You also have Nigel the Leg Gruff. Uh, you went Al Bundy, of course. Uh, Steeman, Willie Beeman. Uh, we've got Earl Meggett for you, Rod Tidwell, Bobby Boucher. You went Billy Bob and Vontae Mack. So, Ted, who is your MVP? Um, can you read the first three again? There were so many of them. Moxon, Julius Campbell, Nigel the Leg, Gruff. Uh, I am going to take Al Bundy. Ooh. Hulk high hero, Al yeah. Bundy. I think like, I think it's going to be hard to be, I think I'm going with the guy who has the most staying power longevity wise. And I'm not talking about guys who have a great legacy or what I'm talking about what the people want, what the people love <laughs> and the people love Al Bundy. So Bundy, it is. You heard Al it Bundy. here first, Ted Wong, man of the people picking for all of you commoners at home. Well, I, I think if we go if we go head to head showdown here, guys, MVP versus MVP, which I mean, actually, you both chose uh, who I had in the head to head matchup, Forrest Gump and Al Bundy, and I'm giving the win here to uh, Mr. Ted Wong. He is yes. taking home yes 
the third down trophy tonight. And uh, we're, we're, I guess, going to give the overall MVP award to Mr. Al Bundy <laughs> on this one. I mean, did you really think you weren't going to win that? I think, what did I see? Three of the 20 something shows you just listed. Damn it, Peg. <laughs> Good matchup. <laughs> Oh man, just go home and and type into the YouTube and just go uh, Al Bundy, Al Bundy Burns. And I think it's like a five minute clip and it'll make your day. When I'm down, I go watch that. Married with Children is on, I think it's on Amazon Prime. And I've been trying to convince my wife that we need to watch Married with Children as like just our, our, you know, bedtime, let's watch something mindless show. And we just finished Modern Family, so she still can't quite watch Married with Children because she still sees Ed O'Neill as the guy from Modern Family, and and she's really struggling with the fact that he's uh, he's Al Bundy. It's true. It took me about four seasons, I would say, of watching Modern Family to be like, uh, this okay, this isn't Al Bundy anymore. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. This he, is Jay. He, this is Jay Pritchett's, and he's he works at closets, closets, closets. Yeah. <laughs> from from shoes to closets. Yeah. Moving on up. Yeah. All right, good third down segment. Uh, we are way past where we normally go, but I was having so much fun, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> yeah, this we, is fun, guys. Yeah, we're going to give out our all-elusive. I mean, you thought you got, went home with a, uh, a big trophy. Our big prize of the Ballhawks podcast is our shout-out crown. And like we talked about last week, kind of like the points in whose line is it anyways – it's there, but you you don't really get anything. Um, this you week get a, you you do get a tweet with a crown in it. Oh, that's okay. true. You yeah. get a little you get a little uh, socials shout out. Um, this week we that... are giving it to uh, a, a few people that are also fellow, uh, I guess, rookies at podcasting. So we've got Chris, Adam, Liz, and Jessica of the Third Line Podcast. Um, you can find them at, and then it's the number three RD and then line pod. So give them a follow, uh, support your local up and coming podcasters. I know, uh, Ted will be really interested in this one. They, I, I believe I, I'm trying to remember now. I think they're writers for like the Victoria Royals and for like, yeah, Tri Chris City. is a, yeah, Chris is a Victoria Royal. Actually the, the PP one pod is familiar. I think with Chris, right. I think he won one of our summer skates, uh, promos so oh, no that's, that's kind of cool yeah so he's been a he's been a little he's been one of the the, the pod guys who's 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 uh, had some interaction with the, the pp1 podcast and myself and ryan and brady nice so should we'll, we do yeah you'll have to check those guys out should we do slow clap for our shout out crown yep. winners this week slow clap i guess that's the win and it was kind of quiet but we uh, we actually were clapping i can bear we were that. yeah yeah um yeah, I know. I know. Ted likes to call it his uh, shameless plug time on his podcast. So, uh, give us your shameless plug and what's going on with Ted. What's going on with uh, PP One Podcast? Uh, myself, not a whole lot going on. I think I'm the I'm I'm the lame wheel on the on the crew. So you know, Ryan uh, writes for Canucks Army, and then Brady um, writes for. Uh, the Canuck way. So we've got a couple of talented writers on, on, on crunch with us. I don't do nothing. I really just show up on the podcast and just uh, do my own thing and sort of chat with these guys and, and, and bother, bother Brady and Ryan. Um, but the podcast is doing well. So the, the at 
the PP1 podcast. Um, you can catch us there. It's mostly a Canuck-based podcast, but we're having some pretty cool guests on. Um, just recently, we brought on uh, Aaron Prichette. We got a couple of fun ones planned that, that uh, might be sort of sneaky cool. So if you can get your way onto the site, uh, the, the pod, that'll be pretty cool. I think Derek Jory, who runs the Connect Social Media account, will be there. Um, and then another sort of sneaky guest what we'll announce once we lock it down. Some cool giveaways, some tech and stuff like that. Um, you can find me at T-E-E-3-R-E-E. That's T-3. Um, and then uh, once you hit the pod, you can also get Ryan and Brady there too. And they're also a good follow. So I would uh, check that out when you got time. Yeah, uh, Ted, you, you, you may say that you are, uh, you know, the, the, the lame one of the pod or the, the guy that doesn't write anything, but I think you're also the only guy that went on sports at six So give yourself a little bit of credit there, bud. Thanks. You're doing, appreciate you're doing that. a great job, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely go check those guys out. Um, you know, I, I know most of our listeners are probably football, but if you're a sports fan, you like hockey, Canucks in particular, great podcast. These guys are hilarious, um, goofy. That's kind of why we had Ted on. Knowledgeable, funny. Chris, you got any last words? Uh, no, I think we covered everything. Uh, you know, Seahawks made a, made a few uh, moves this week. Uh, obviously, uh, the world is going draft crazy pretty quick here. Seeing all the, the the moves there already. I'm sure we'll see a couple more before the actual draft itself. Uh, please go uh, sub- subscribe, rate five stars, give us a review, follow us on Twitter at ballhawks underscore pod. And as always, go Hawks. Peace. Touchdown, Seahawks! We control this. We run this. And anybody come in our house, they get dealt with. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. I want to live at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.